What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and welcome to episode one of Behind the Daw, where we interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you're interested in that, there's a link in the description. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to talk, you can contact me at Wyatt at BehindTheDaw.net. All right, Daw Nation, let's get into it. First thing that we like to start off with is I want to ask you, and I know that you and I have talked about it before. Tell me about how you came upon your name, because the name Trivecta is very powerful. That's a funny one. When I first started this project, it was with the song. I kind of launched it with the song One Night Only, which was my first release on Monster Cat. And I had gotten it accepted and I was talking to John, who was the head of music at Monster Cat, and we were... We were kind of like, all right, well, good, you got the song, but you don't have a name or a, or a, or a logo or a brand or anything like that. So, so we kind of went into crunch mode to come up with something. And I remember it was something along the lines of random word generators. We, we were just throwing words around, and 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 I think John had asked me. We were talking about how you could take the first letter of two different words and swap them. Like my name Sam Dobkin would be Damn Sobkin. And then he asked me what kind of car I drove, and I thought I was being kind of clever. And I was like, Yeah, I drive a Volkswagen Vetta. And uh, and I think around that time, the word uh, three or third popped up in the Google search or Google random word generator. So then we hit. So we're like, Oh, Vetta, third Vetta, Trivetta, Trivecta. At some point, and when that came out, just kind of stuck. And I was like, You know what? That sounds malleable enough that I, I, I it doesn't really hold a specific meaning. I could kind of work it into whatever I want and it doesn't really restrain me. It's not implying I'm like super aggressive, you know, anything or also too, you know, chill, whatever. I can kind of work it into whatever I want. And, and so that was, uh, I think the sound that I've been putting out has allowed me to sort of shape that name into what I've wanted it to be. I love that because now uh, just thinking about that right now. So someone like who has the name Marshmallow, probably can never go into orchestral music because who's going to go listen to orchestral music by a dude named Marshmello? Then you think about someone like, uh, well, also with, along that same lines, like someone like Excision, that's a very aggressive name. You know what I mean? So is someone going to look for very peaceful music by a dude named Excision? Probably not. But you, you know, and I really like this because you with Trivecta, Set the Sky, Elenium, Seven Lions, like all those all those things are not pointing towards one direction. It's kind of like you have to come and see what's going on in order to know what's going on. You know what I mean? With open arms. Exactly, with open arms. And so I, I like that a lot. And so that's, that's beautiful. So how did the... Uh, the branding go with that you know what i mean i mean because i i see your branding i love your branding your branding is amazing your cover arts are incredible so tell me about that like how did you you came up with this name trivecta then how did you kind of give trivecta a look that's something that i'm still really trying to work on and improve upon um a lot of times when i'm working on songs uh, i'll do a, uh, my friend nick variant he showed me a while ago uh Reddit imaginary, like imaginary landscapes, imaginary cityscapes, skyscapes, all these things. And a lot of times when I'm working on a song, I'll try to make sure that that, that, that I can find a sort of collection of pictures that evoke the kind of feeling that the song I'm making should sort of have. And it, it helps me to build a palette and helps me to stay grounded and remember what it was that I was feeling when I started the song. And it can let me know if I'm kind of going off path or anything like that. And uh, 
So I'll try to do that with each song. And then I, when I work on working with an artist for the art of that song, I try to make sure that what they are doing falls in line with some of the sort of artwork and, and visuals I've been going for. And, uh, and so doing that song after song has sort of allowed me to build it as I go and kind of say, all right, well, you know, for a while I was working with this sort of template that I had going with each song and then I started to branch out. And now I'm actually working on changing some of that stuff up a little more and pushing it. So just so that I understand. So basically what you're saying is that uh, when you were writing a song or doing a song with, for someone, basically what you do is you go, you'd find pictures or, or or images of kind of what you what what you see in your mind and then kind of set those aside whether i mean would you put it like on a pinterest board or like in google images or um oh that's a good question uh, i'm trying to remember what i would usually do i think a lot of times what i was doing was keeping it in just like bookmarks uh in, in like chrome it's funny i haven't done it as much lately i think maybe because i've done it enough times that now i can just sort of hold that image in my mind but i would throw it a lot in like chrome bookmarks actually i do have little bookmarks for each song for sure and a lot of them i'll just save into a dropbox folder and i can just flip through and stuff like that that makes a lot of sense so you so you go through you you save these images you kind of have these images as, as basically visual reference points for the song wow that's that's super super cool so then at the probably it makes sense now because like basically at the end i'm assuming like after you uh, i get the song done and everything and, and do you use a graphic designer or do you do it yourself yep yeah i I'm all right with that, but I'm not very good. So I, I try to I try to outsource for sure. The only one that I think I did most of myself was um, was the one on Labyrinth. I actually had a, a good buddy of mine do a really cool kind of thing for it. And then as the release got closer, I, I I wanted to kind of just like mess it up and make it look a lot darker. So I blacked out most of it and just rewrote just Labyrinth, you know, try back to Naoki. But uh, for the most part, yeah, th- there's a guy, Danny Larson, who I've been using a lot. He's great. He's awesome. He does a lot of really cool stuff. And I don't know who did the one for the Elenium Fractures remix, but that art was just epic. That was super sick. I wonder if it's, uh, do you know who Dylan Wood is? No. Dylan Wood has done, I don't know if he still does it, but he's, he did like all of the Ashes stuff for Elenium. He he did all the like super early uh, Said the Sky kind of stuff, where it's like just very fantasy and mythical. Yeah. I love that vibe. Super surreal and epic. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were working with this graphic designer, did you basically just go to your folder of those cool pictures and throw them over to him and be like, something like this? That's a great idea. (laughs) And I don't know if I've actually done that as much. Um, You know what? Now that you say it, I did do, I did the one for... for ease my soul, I think I had found as a stock image the the background, and I and I did the text. But then for some of the other ones, I, you know what? A lot of times, like for 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 um, uh, oh, Justin Bonnet is awesome too. He's done a couple of them too. Like like for resurface, I know I specifically wanted a visual. Actually, for him, I did send yeah, and he nailed it. I sent him pictures of um of of like underwater because I felt like that was the vibe, and and specifically the image of being underwater and seeing light hitting and kind of coming down. And I told him I wanted some, somebody sort of falling away from that without looking like a stock image. And he went in and nailed that. And, uh, and Danny Larson, sometimes Danny, what's neat is I'll go through his work and I'll say, Hey dude, like this picture of yours kind of has the sort of vibe. Can you do something? And this is how I want you to kind of change that up. And, and, and a lot of times it'll just be a couple of revisions till we have something. Why did you get into music and why do you still do music today? 
Great question. As far as why I got into music, I, I, I think I've always been attracted to art in general. Like when I was really young, I wanted to be an artist. I remember like right then kindergarten, I think I had like the little artist hat and the long sleeves at the stereotypical, you know, like little French, like 16th century. Uh, and, and, but um, I think when I was like 12 or 13, my friends started getting guitars. And so I, I uh, I, I was always kind of the friend who would like take one thing that everybody liked and get way too into it and too obsessed to the point that everybody hated it. And I would be the one who didn't quite get it yet and would just, who they didn't get that everybody hated it now and I would keep doing it. And, and I think I definitely did that with the guitar. And I, and I had, so I would have these bands and we were playing hardcore music, like metalcore and stuff from Autumn to Ashes, Atreyu, Every Time I Die, and we we're doing that kind of stuff. And because I was the one who was like, <laughs> kind of like, uh, still doing it when everybody was like, you know, all right, let's chill. Yeah, I ended up being the guy who was in charge of making sure our, our instruments were recorded. Sometimes, you know, have to record all the instruments and, you know, try to make it sound okay and then mix it. And that kind of gave me that background. But then I think the turning point was moving to Florida when I was 15 years old with my family because we moved in the beginning of the summer and I didn't know anybody. So I had a couple months to kind of uh, you know, for the summer to start, okay, what am I going to do? And I was watching these videos of guitar players and I just got into guys like Joe Satriani and Jason Becker and Ingve Malmsteen and these Steve Vai, these crazy instrumental guitar players. And that sort of showed me, oh, I can record my own music. And um, that's when I started really practicing and trying to make something cool. And uh, I always kind of wanted to do that more than go to the parties and stuff like that. It was more kind of wanting to be uh, a, a lot of times, like, especially in college, I remember I would be out playing at the college bars, playing my guitar with friends. Uh, Cause we had all, you know, the gigs there and um, I would go home and everybody would want an after party, but I would like put on some headphones and walk home and be listening to like Skrillex's Bangarang EP and like, you know, listen to songs like summit and stuff and being like, Oh, now I, I it was empowering listening to him because I felt like I could like sort of social chameleon and then walk away and put up a hood and like put on some Skrillex and walk away and feel kind of awesome and, and 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 it made me kind of want to do that you know and, and honestly sometimes there are days where every artist you know gets points where you're like oh why do I do this but sometimes you just got to chalk it up to momentum and be like look I still got this I'm still doing it you just got to keep putting in the hours and then those good days happen again and then it reminds you yeah okay this is why I'm doing it some underlying theme that I see within your story is that of passion. So like, for example, when you were, when you were a kid, uh, you moved to Florida and you were, and when you were somewhat alone for a minute, but I'm assuming that you kind of relished that for a minute. You're like, I don't know anybody. There's no, there's no relationships I need to really worry about. I'm just going to focus on music for a minute. As far as, as far as like an armchair psychoanalysis, that was pretty good. I didn't even realize that. Nice. Yeah. To me, oh, I'm just saying, if I could go back in time and be 13, 14 again and be alone, yeah, I'd be doing music all the time, you know, to, to not really have to worry about the relationships. But of course, like eventually, all of us want friends, all of us want girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever you want, you know what I mean? But anyways, so there's passion in that. But also you were saying you, you would go and you perform these shows and everything. And as soon as everything's over, people that you were playing with want to go party and you're like, I haven't got enough music yet. I want to learn more. I want to become better and all that kind of stuff. And to me, that is the true sign of a musician. So there's so many people, especially within our realm of, of music that, you know, they're, they're getting in it for the completely wrong reasons, which is they want to party. They want to get laid. They want a bunch of money. And to me, that is stupid and it's tainting 
the pure art of what we are doing. And the pure art of what we are doing is because we feel something towards music. You know what I mean? You're dead on. And so that's where I feel like you are right now. And I would say, you know, you're even right now where you where you are in your life, you're a really you're a very intelligent person, you know, just talking with you and also seeing the application of that in your music. So the fact that you for a day job teach guitar speaks mountains of passion to me because you're very smart. I I don't have a shadow of a doubt that if you wanted to, you could go get any degree you wanted to in any field and basically get any job. But you want to teach guitar so you can keep getting better and better and eventually just do your own music full time, right? Is that is that overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, man. That's really cool. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, but teaching guitar is cool also in, in a way that it keeps you super balanced. Mm-hmm. It keeps you so balanced without getting you so far off track that you're out of the music loop, you know? Talking you know, on any given day, I'll have anybody from six to 60 something and, you know, just talking music and seeing music from so many different perspectives. I think, uh, I think Tyrion said in, in one of the latest Game of Thrones episodes, you know, you need to understand where your enemies are, are, are coming from if you want to uh, conquer them. And, and I'm obviously not trying to conquer people here, but I think that teaching allows you to understand the way other people think and allows you to sort of see other people's perspectives on music, which the more that you can ingrain more perspective of music to solidify your own perspective, I think the better. I'm loving where this podcast is going, dude. Like this is, this, this is really good. So the second part of that question is why, why do you do music today? Is it, is it along the same lines? Is it still very passion based? Do you feel that you're falling into trends? Do you, you know what I mean? Where do you feel like you're at with music now? That's a good question. I think it comes down a lot. It varies, but I think what you were saying to quote you underlying themes here, underlying concepts, I think it comes down to you do it for the days where you say, yes, this is why I'm doing it. In other words, like, like you have a lot of days that, that to put it sort of metaphorically, you put pencil to paper and nothing good comes out. And then the next day, nothing good comes out. But then you have days where it's just like, you that, that I just made something I'm so proud of, or, you know, you listen back and go, man, and it's rare, but you listen back and you go, Oh, that was, I'm so stoked on that. And then somebody messages you and says, says some sort of comment that we've all written to people at some point, you know, about how much we love what they do. And then you get that. And that's another one of those. That's why I do this, you know, and the, all those, or just those moments where you realize that you leveled up and you're like, man, I, I just, that was a challenge. And I got up and I did something and man, I'm better than I was. And that was so exciting. Or just moments where you're just inspired by art in general. You know, when you, you see a movie or something and you go, Oh, that's so awesome. Something where I can at least try to do something that gives you that type of feeling. And, uh, and that's, I think why, I think that's why I still do it, you know, is for those reasons. I completely agree. So, so what you're saying is that there's these days within your, in your music making career that is just so empowering. It's so enjoyable. The dopamine in your brain is just going crazy and you're just like, yeah, this is awesome. What percentage would you give to each day? Is it like 20% bad days, 80% good days, or what do you think? That's so that's that's tough. Hey, you know it changes, man. Sometimes I, I, I lately I've been able to pinpoint factors that affect those changes because I've thought about that, and that's a good question. And obviously, you know, you try to pinpoint those factors and try to make it sway in your favor as much as you can. Uh, the things that influence the good days, I've found a lot of times are having a sense of purpose and direction, uh, like when when I've had these last couple of remixes and I've known, okay, I kind of need to get this done by now and I don't want to drop the ball. 
that helps you stay focused. You know, it helps you kind of say it, it, it kind of helps things flow. And even if it's a rough day, you still have a direction. I find sometimes even easy days where you don't have much direction turn out to be the worst days because you might get a high for a second, but then you come down you're like, okay, wait, but, uh, here's another of my 300 works in progress, you know? So I, it's tough, man. I don't know what the, what the sort of, percentage would be because any given day you have also ups and downs and that's kind of the nature of the beast you know that you know wow yeah like i'm just thinking about it now i'm like yeah you're right is there ever really one day where i'm completely sad or completely happy no it's like rarely very rarely that's crazy (laughs) yeah yeah it's the truth man you know some days you're just crushing and then then you're like eh. Uh, honestly man at the end of some of my best production days at the end i was kind of like very rarely am i like yeah this was great let's this is awesome a lot of times i'm like walking on my eyes wide and i was like oh my gosh i feel like i just gave birth you know (laughs) i do know i do know what it's like (laughs) no it totally makes sense so Something that I noticed that you said uh, a couple minutes ago was that two of the biggest factors, I'm not going to say they're the only factors, but two of the biggest factors that keeps you going in music, that keeps those those good days happening is one, you feel personally fulfilled by you know creating something amazing. And two, you see how it affects other people. They, they, they hit you back and they're like, oh my gosh, like I needed this today. Or, you know, oh man, I can't even explain to you how much this is affecting me. I'm going through the same thing that you wrote about in your song, so on and so forth. Between those two, which one do you desire more? Do you desire to produce more? Do you desire to connect with people on that level more? Ooh, um, I think a lot of us have an innate desire to connect with other people more than we necessarily realize on a surface level. So my, 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 my surface answer would probably be that, you know, the same reason I always wanted was to be fulfilled making music. But I wonder if that comes from the desire to connect with people. I wonder if there, it's kind of a part whole relationship there, you know, they might kind of be intertwined. I, I don't, I, it would be too much for me to say that I would want more one than the other, or to say that they are separate and not really affected by the other. Now, I know it's not a very straightforward answer, but it's also not a very straightforward question. It's straightforward, but it's tough to answer. That's a tough, it's a great question. Uh, what do you think? If I, if I was, you know, if the, if the shoes were, were flipped, I, you know, you were wearing my flip-flops and I was wearing your flip-flops, I would say it's more in, on the connection of, um, or sorry, I, I would say it's more on, on connecting with other people because for me, I love making music, right? I love making music. But the reason why I love making music is because I get to connect with people. The actual like joy that I get from finishing a song does not exist without being connecting with people for me. You know what I mean? Thank you. You just walked me through the answer. Thank oh. you. Yes. Yes. Uh, that You're exactly right. I, I, listening to you say that, I'm realizing that if I were finishing these songs in a bubble and I was the last person on this earth, it wouldn't feel like anything. So you're right. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. No, but you know, that's, that's such an interesting thing because uh, I think that's also why good vocals are so important in songs because so many people can connect with vocals. And that was one thing I noticed with this, with, with, um, with that fractures remix that we had done the video about before was that her vocal was something that had connected with so many people. And, uh, and that was kind of one of the things that made that release so neat was so many people were already so connected to that vocal, that feeling that sort of thing with so many people was so cool. And, and I think, I think you're exactly right. I think the connection is what's at the heart of all of it. I absolutely agree. You know, we, we've kind of talked about this at, at school and I'd love to 
to know your thoughts on that. And that is the concept of having a vocal in the song. Because, you know, I would say if we took the whole of electronic music, I would say like 60 to 70 percent has a vocal and like 30 to 40 percent does not have a vocal. Would you say that? Honestly, I'd say from my point of view, I would probably put more onto the instrumental side because okay. if you think about how many people are just making music and, and and don't have access to vocalists and stuff like that there's a lot of soundcloud music and stuff out there you know cool so let's flip that then let's say that 60 percent of electronic music is without vocal and only 40 percent is with vocal you know now that i'm thinking about it, i'm like yeah that that actually does make a lot more sense but you know it's it's interesting we talked about this there's actually uh, a subconscious science with that which states you know like back with our ancestors they had to decide if they were safe out in the jungle or the wilderness or whatever and one of the things that they could distinguish that was safe to be around was voices because tigers growl people talk and so if you heard a voice you feel a lot better about it or you know what i mean like if you hear village members say something as opposed to hearing a stick snap you feel better about the voice than you do about the the, the stick snapping you know what i mean and so i wonder on a subconscious level if when we add a vocal into a song, it actually activates that 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 primal instinct. You, you see what I'm saying? I think you're onto something. Yeah, I do. I totally think so. I, and, and as a matter of fact, one of the coolest moments I remember having producing, one of the many times where somebody said, "Tell me to like chill out because I'm getting so <laughs> stoked," was um was when I'd first linked up with Miyoki for Labyrinth, and uh, I, I remember noticing that I could take these create her voice did so many cool timbres that even in the non-vocal sections of the song, the drops, I was layering in these little things of her voice and it sounded so, uh, it, like, I think that's what you're saying. I think you're, you're, we're naturally attracted to the human voice for reasons like what you're saying. And it did so much and that I had to chill out. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, think, I think you're on to something. I think that's exactly right, yeah. Switching gears just a little bit. I want to know, and you kind of touched on this a little bit in the YouTube video, but I want to know where you were emotionally with fractures because no one in their right state of mind will listen to fractures and only say this is a dope banger no one it's just way too emotional it's just way too beautiful you know what i mean my my theory with with the remix that you did is that you were in a very emotional place you were in a very vulnerable emotional place to be able to create something like that i mean what do you think where were you emotionally with that yeah you have to be in order to do it justice and you know what i don't necessarily think that there was anything, and this is, I think, an important point. I don't think there was anything going on in my life at that time that was causing me to feel the way that that song can make somebody feel. But I think that's such an important point because you can go and see a movie and not feel any of the things in your current day-to-day that you see in that movie. But then you see the movie and that movie can take you in and you walk out and you're like, yo, what was that? And... Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and and I think that's a big part of why we love art in general is is for reasons like that. Um, and so Fractures, Nick had created and Nevi, I, I still, I'm not entirely sure. She kills it. She, I was listening more of her music today. It's amazing. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce, but they, they, but her, and her vocal is amazing. And it's, it, it creates such a distinct feeling that the biggest thing that, that, that I wanted to make sure to do was to keep that feeling. And it was, uh, like I said, I wasn't there necessarily in my life. I wouldn't have just sat down in a room and felt this sort of 
But I feel like that's all kind of, especially the sort of nostalgia that comes with that type of music, I think is sort of lying dormant in most of us and can be brought out by music like that. And so what I would do is I would listen to it and let it take me where it takes me. And then while I'm there, come up with the ideas and make sure that they're flowing out of that sort of fountain. And, and I think the chords were a big part of it too, because he, there's something about Nick's music. And I know he makes most of it in Colorado. There's something about Nick's music that makes me feel like I'm in Colorado. And I told him that it's crazy. And, and, and it's such a distinct feeling uh, of, of, of some of what you were talking about you don't just listen to, Oh, this is a banger. It's, 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 you know, it's, it, it really transports you somewhere. And I tried to mess. There's sometimes where you get a vocal and you're like, Oh, I could do different things with the chords here. But with fractures, I was, one song where I really tried to make sure not to change the chords too much because uh, it was such a distinct feeling. Like I said, it transports you somewhere. And, 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 and the more I tried to tamper with that, the more I was like, ah, no, 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 no. It's making me feel something different, which isn't necessarily bad, but the feeling of the original song was so strong and distinct that I didn't want to take away from it. To give you an example of exactly what you're talking about, have you ever, uh, are you into anime? I've had friends try to get me in, but nothing, not really. But go on, I'm, 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 I'm into it. Gotcha. So there's a, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z and I, I can't, I can't get enough of Dragon Ball Z, but so I started, I, me and my wife just were super into anime. So we just barely started watching uh, Bleach. Bleach is an amazing anime because it was exactly what you're talking about. Or like you go and you watch a movie or a TV show and maybe the certain thing that's happening in there hasn't happened in your life or isn't happening in your life, but you just connect with it for some reason. And so to me, something was like that because this kid is battling monsters that only he can see. It's such an awesome concept. Exactly. The, the fact that you're battling something that only you can see, there is something about that that's resonating with me. Can I relate that to depression and anxiety? Sure. Can I relate that to uh, a, a broken home situation with my parents? Sure. You know what I mean? Like I can relate it to those things, but there was just something deeper. There was something else that I couldn't explain. I feel like you did that with fractures where like you were there, maybe, you know, the, the, the story behind the fractures, the actual girl is singing the lyrics. Maybe you didn't go through exactly what she's saying. Maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe the, the, the story of the song you personally didn't go through, but you felt something. And because you felt something like you were attracted to it and you're like, there's just, I, I don't know. I need to walk down that way and I need to see what I can do. You're exactly right, man. It's abstract too. It's, it's battling those physical monsters, but you can identify with that abstract feeling. And then it's up to you to try to harness it when you're making the music that's the time and that's where i think the art and the science converge because if you've put in enough time trying to figure out what makes certain songs tick you don't have to think about it and take yourself out of there and start thinking scientifically your reflexes will initially say okay what is it that's making this feel this way and how can i grab that and and, and retain that and build around it no, yeah, that, that completely makes sense. I got a final question for you, and that is uh, whether it's with fractures or with with your uh, with any other song or or just you know your artistry in general. What are some challenges that that you have come across that you've had to overcome? Whether that's battling trends or or you're worried about money or or, or anything at all. What has been like your biggest struggle? with trying to achieve your dream? One of the toughest ones has been to keep all of the music that I'm making as Trivecta 
under the kind of Tribeca umbrella because I, uh, uh, to, for dinner tonight, when I go over there, I'm going to do the same thing I do during dinner at, while Rachel's cooking is I'm going to pick up my guitar and start playing something bluesy or something funky. And there's so much stuff that I play and do that is not related to the Tribeca sound. And I try to sneak it in a little bit at a time, but it's all about doing it just the right amount and not enough to get a little bit unique, but not enough to derail the vision. I've, I've multiple EPs worth of themed concepts, whether it's funky music or chill music that just doesn't sound like Trivecta. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I went up and at one point I went up to Vancouver and when I, when I met with John, the head of music at Monster Cat, who had, helped me come up with that Tribecta name years prior. Uh, and I showed him what I was working on. I was expecting him to be like, dude, this is so cool. This is so different. But he was like, dude, be careful. If you put this out, you're going to alienate your fan base and they're not going to really know what, you know, they're not going to know. It's going to completely distort their vision of what Tribecta is. And so I think knowing how to make things that stay under one brand and keep that together and knowing how to be mature and just pull the right amount of other things at the right time has been one of the toughest challenges that I'm still working on overcoming. Whoa, dude, that has got to be the biggest struggle between any artist because I've, I've heard this story before, right? Where like the artistic side of you is calling out in multiple directions, but because of the way that business or the industry or, or, or what have you is, you can't just let it all out at once. You have to go. Yeah, it's very strategic of how you how you want to do it. AU5, Austin Collins, right? Really good friend. Um, he He's like super into trance. He's like super into IDM. And he grew up like playing classical and loving classical music. But if he was to automatically switch his AU brand and start releasing classical music or, or, or like IDM or, or trance or anything, all of a sudden his fan base can be like, huh? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the instinct is to do it because you've got the platform. The instinct is... Oh my gosh, I have so many people listening. I have an immediate launch pad for all this stuff. But it's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I guess you can do it if you do it right. Some guys have done that well, but you got to be careful. Yeah, dude. No, this is making a lot of sense. So at the end of the day, do you follow what you feel inside and make all the types of music that you feel? Or do you do what's best for your business and your brand? I think you do what first thing you said, but you only include under your brand the things that work with the brand. So you do let it all out, you make all of it, but then you say, okay, which of this works is my brand? And you release that under your brand. And then you figure out how to trickle in some of the influences otherwise, or you release other stuff elsewhere, or you build a brand that has enough freedom for you to do that, which I don't have yet, maybe one day. But I think for now it's all about filtering in the things that do work and still making it all, but just using the stuff that works. No, I agree. Cause like me, me thinking about it right now, I, I don't know if I could create a brand where I could release everything that I'm feeling. I think I would have to have at least one alter ego, one other brand to release on. You know what I mean? Sure. I would have to at least have two different brands. I mean, because like Marshmallow.com, so spoiler alert, we all know that Marshmallow's.com, but I mean like... I don't know if that was a business decision or if he like truly just wanted to make that kind of stuff, but that's a, that's a good example where, you know, dot com's music and marshmallows music, they're two different things. And so do you know who Arcane, Arcane Echo is? No, I don't think so. And he has a, he has an alternate ego. Sorry, Josh, Josh is his name. Sorry, Josh, I'm forgetting what it's called. I was going to give you some, some extra promotion, but, um, <laughs> but he has an alternate ego where he releases a, a lot of house music uh, and he's primarily a bass producer. So, Man, this is a really good concept. It's like, why can't you do both? 
Why can't you do the really good business decision and get all the music out that you want? You just do it very strategically. Yeah. Sam, this is good. <laughs> the great balancing act. Wow. Dude, thank you so much for this incredibly enlightening podcast. Dude. A pleasure, brother. A pleasure. I could talk. Well, well, I'm sure we'll do another one. I could talk to you for, for hours about music. It's good. I got one final question for you. And so you've lived the, the Sam Dobkin, the trivecta life that you want to live. It's very satisfying. Uh, you've achieved your dreams, uh, so on and so forth. And you're, you, you're on your deathbed and you have enough strength to turn over and talk to your firstborn son and to give him one piece of advice. That's all you got. You know what I mean? You have, you have enough for one piece of advice. What do you tell him? Uh, the first thing that pops into my hat into my head is advice my dad gave me before I went to college, which was remember where you came from. Whoa. And, and just like in the concept of if you don't remember where you came from, history repeats itself or why is it important to remember where you came from? Well, I need to give my firstborn something to think about. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you can't give him all the answers. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't give me all, all, all he just said that. You know, that was up to me to, to figure out my interpretation of what that meant. I love that, dude. Wow. This has been an insanely enlightening podcast. Sam Dobkin, thank you so much. Thanks, Wyatt. I can't wait till the next time you come on the podcast, dude. Thanks. You holler at me, all right? I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Daw. We really hope you enjoyed it. Did you enjoy the questions that we asked or would you have liked to hear different ones? If you're listening to this on iTunes or any other podcast related app, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. And if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, make sure to like, comment, and follow. And we'll see you next time on Behind the Daw.